Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Building Years. This is Jeremiah Watkins. This is Justin Alexio. And I'm excited that we have a good friend in the house, in the studio today, uh, our good buddy Benji Aflala. Welcome to the show, Benji. I'm talking now. <laughs> Benji's talking now. Uh, Benji is a uh, paid regular at the Comedy Store, so he's a stand-up comedian, uh, a writer, and he's written on uh, different Comedy Central shows, uh, some stuff for Howard, Howard Stern, and um, uh, yes, we'll get into a bunch of all that later, but uh, first, how are you today? Yeah, Benji? how are you as the person? I'm well, thanks. Uh, had a really rough week last week, was really sick, okay. so today's probably the first day where I feel more or less 100%, but I lost a lot of weight. That's you're good. That, you're that sick? Yeah, oh, that's I'm, bad, I I'm like 131 pounds right now, which oh, is man. pretty a light for weight. me. Um. Anywhere from like 135 to 139, so Ooh, I lost a lot of weight. I was lot. really ill. What were you, was it flu where you were throwing up and stuff? Dude, well, for three days I had like 103 slash 102 fever. That's kind of scary. It was really <laughs> Did scary. Did you go to the doctor? You're like, I'm going to tough this out. Um, I went to the doctor the first day. I went to a regular doctor, but then it kept like kind of persisting, so... I had to go to an infectious disease doctor. Oh, no. Yeah. Because they thought that you might have one of the new strains or something? Because I was just so messed up, man. Yeah. And, uh, which was scary. And then he told me I have, I might have mono, but I don't, I don't. Like, my fever's gone. I'm fine. I like when they scare you for no reason, when they're like, you may have this, but we're not 100% sure yet, so we'll get back to you. It's and you're a, like, what? Yeah, so they can cover themselves if you die from it and be like, I told them. I was pretty messed up, though. But I, I did decide that from now on. I'm going straight to the infectious disease doctor. <laughs> it's like, why waste your time with the small fry doctors? You start with infectious disease doctor, and then you work your way down. I mean, if you have insurance, then that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, that's If you my don't, thing. then that's the worst plan ever. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off with the infectious doctor and be like, yeah, oh, it was just a common house cold? Okay, cool. <laughs> it actually was. Was it really? Yeah, well, they got back like... an a rhino culture where they like they stuck like a long Q-tip up my nose and oh like, yeah that said I had a cold. What? Yeah, I'm still waiting to get my blood work back, but that's weird that it. Uh, let's hope it's something bigger than that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I'm fine now. Time. I'm yeah. fine now. I just need to get some pounds. They back. just said MERS came out in America. Do you guys hear about what, that? MERS. MERS is an underground hip hop artist. MERS. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Oh right, yeah, I do know what you're talking about. It's just a crazy disease. Yeah, so watch out. Wash your hands. Yeah. I guess so. You're, are you germaphobic at all? You know, I was a lot as a young man, mm -hmm. but I shook most of it, and yeah. now I'm not, but I, yeah, no, I don't think I am. I've gotten way freaking better over the years with yeah. it. I used to be way worse with, like, I don't know. I, I can, like, drinking after people and stuff, I still don't really do, but I can... Drink after my girlfriend and stuff now, which it makes sense because, you know, we make out and stuff. But in the beginning, were you not able to do I, that? In the beginning, I still can't do the toothbrush thing. I, I think that's <laughs> oh, freaking that's, disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, that's gross. But <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten way better about like, okay, I, I we can drink after or eat after certain 
times or people. Yeah, I've gotten better about it. I mean, I don't even think it's a germ thing. If you're a man, don't share anything. You're a man. What are you sharing drinks with people? <laughs> are, are you not a man? <laughs> hey, you want to share this with me? It's like I'm a fucking man. I'm not sharing anything. Milkshake, with half price. If yeah, you split it. Yeah, two straws, please. <laughs> yeah. So that's not even a germ issue necessarily. Okay, so maybe I'm just, I'm just more manly than I realized, Benji. Yeah. Does Rambo ever share a Coke with anybody? <laughs> no. Nope. What about Gandhi? Wouldn't you more want to be a Gandhi kind of person? I don't think Gandhi... Gandhi was either starving himself <laughs> or <laughs> indulging I, in I whatever say, he's eating. I think that is a factually wrong <laughs> comparison, what you just did. I don't care. Uh so let's get into Benji. <laughs> That's a weird way to segue. Let's get inside Benji. Use some lube when you get. We're talking Jesus. about dudes. Why not? Uh, but uh, you actually grew up here in uh, Los Angeles, right? Yeah, born and raised in LA. Uh, moved around a lot. I've my parents are in real estate, so they see a lot of opportunities to sell a house and make money. But mm-hmm. all within LA. But yeah, I moved around. Moved Mostly around. Beverly Hills. Lived in Malibu a little. Stuff like Was that. Was it the same? schools or would you have to transfer out of schools whenever you would move here and there that's a good question usually i wouldn't change schools Uh but i was in a pretty good amount of schools as well because i started off preschool in sort of like a more religious jewish school called hillel which is like so there was reason for my parents to take me out of there just because it was crazy too jewish yeah and i ended up in a different jewish school and then my brother had issues there, so we were like, we're out of here. The flawless are out. <laughs> yeah. You lose one of us, you lose yeah. all of us. Yeah. Was and your brother I, a troublemaker? Were you guys troublemakers? I think he I, 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 he, he might have been a troublemaker. I think he might have had like a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And it was like just like a kind of backwards Jew school. Yeah. Like just like any religious school will have its people who don't know how to deal with stuff. So my parents were just like, all right, see you later. And then we went to a way more reformed Jewish school that was a lot more chill, and, and then I was in that school through eighth grade. Gotcha. And then was it, did you ever go to public school in high school, or was it all Jewish, school, Jewish schools, um, Jes- Jesuit schools? <laughs> <laughs> um, way to sound educated. <laughs> I did go to public school partially for high school. Um, after going to like Jewish private school through eighth grade, you're just like, I want to go to public school and be like a real boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I, did you do like uniforms and stuff at the? No, you didn't have to. Maybe no, not in the reformed. I went to a reformed Jewish school from fourth to eighth grade called Temple Emanuel in Beverly Hills. Okay. And that was super loose and chill. Um, and no, there was nothing. But still, you're like, you want to go do something real. You yeah. feel like so sheltered going to like Jewish private schools. So. I then went to Beverly, which was still pretty sheltered, but <laughs> it was a public school. And I went there for freshman and sophomore year. And then my junior year, I went to a private school. And then I went back to Beverly for my senior year. But not a, not a Jewish school. Gotcha. So, you, oh wow, you actually did bounce around quite a bit. Did, yeah. Now, was there school dances and stuff like that at, like in earlier on, like in eighth grade, whenever you're going to these private schools? Or was it pretty strict? Like, how does that work? Um. The Jewish school I went to for when there would be dances, the one I was in from fourth to eighth grade, the one I just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I think we I think we had dances. It was yeah. very liberal. Like we had like a lesbian principal. Oh. We had one of the first female rabbis. <clears throat> oh wow. So it was yeah. pretty left. Okay. So it wasn't but the ones prior to that were were more religious and a little weirder. Gotcha. Did you uh, do you still have a lot since you b- did bounce around a lot, do you still have some good friends from high school or did you make a lot of friends? after high school that you kind of currently have now in the comedian community? 
Um, I do have a core of friends that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I call them my normie friends because right. they're non-comic friends. Right. Um, normal. <laughs> yeah, they're normal. So I still see them and stuff, but there's a little bit more of like a gap in the sense that like they're like about to get married or they are married or they have like jobs and yeah. you know so there is a little bit of a divide but I still see them and I still love them and we still sort of have a group of friends that I still that I've known since I was 9 but for the most part usually I am yeah hanging out with my comic friends that's good because I I feel like uh if you only hang out with comedians your comedy is really only going to be a certain I don't know certain kind you don't have that that other have that real life, life experience yeah you don't have the other interactions with real people so you're just talking to i don't know i feel like you slowly go insane (laughs) if you just have comedian friends i absolutely agree i think it's important to have normal friends as a comic and people get lost in the world of comedy and then yeah they kind of but i think it can go both ways sometimes i'll meet comics and they'll be like married to a normal person and have all these normal friends and i'll be like i don't know how dedicated you are you're just hanging out with normal people all the time (laughs) wanting to live right next to the grove and shit so (laughs) i feel like maybe you're a little too normal and maybe you got to dirty this up a little bit yeah so i think it's about maintaining the balance though sometimes i'll hang out with my normal friends and then they'll bring some normal friends Right. And then I'm like surrounded by normal people and I'm like, ugh, How did gross. This happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel consumed right now. Yeah. By the normalcy of what's You guys build on. your life on money. <laughs> uh, so after after high school, did you do any schooling or what what did you do right after uh, high school? Right after high school, yeah, I went to college. I went to the University of Arizona for three years and then I transferred to a small liberal arts college mm-hmm. in New York City called Marymount. I didn't really like the University of Arizona. My, I didn't have much guidance outside of high school with college. Mm-hmm. I was my dad's fifth kid, my mom's fourth kid, and, I, and none of the prior ones graduated college. Gotcha. And then my sister, who I, I have a brother who just dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. I had a sister who did like a travel Europe abroad program and then dropped out. So she was like, I'm going to go to Europe and travel around and drain all your money and then drop out of college. <laughs> so then by the time it was time for me to go to college, they like didn't really take an interest at all. They're just like, oh. They're just like, get through it if you want, I guess. <laughs> they wanted me to go, but like I didn't belong at the University of Arizona. Like I was like into like theater and I had good grades. Like that's not a school for someone who's into theater <laughs> no. and has good grades. So, but I just ended up there because like they didn't make me write an essay and I figured out how to do it online. So I ended up there and I was more or less miserable for three years. Yeah. But I really didn't want to come back to LA and be, like I had a really negative association with kids who stay home in LA because they just end up like cheesy, like go to nightclubs and they go to community college and sure. you're still seeing all the same people from high school. Probably like what a lot of people. So it was mostly fear of being that that kept me in Tucson, Arizona that I hated. Yeah. Now, did you like New York after you went to the liberal arts school in New York? And how long did you live there Whenever after you graduated? Um, I finished up my degree. It took two years at the liberal arts school in New York City. I loved New York. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, if I ever have kids, I'm going to push them to go to school in New York City just because there's a lot of culture there and there's a lot of things to do and there's a lot of good schools there. And yeah. I think when you're young, you can it's just good to absorb all that and you can get a cool internship at like anywhere you could get an internship at NBC or SNL or my little cousin goes to NYU. She just got an internship at Louie, you know, like you're just not going to get that going to some like big 10 pack 10. I don't know, whatever, like one of those giant schools, whatever. So I, I really think New York is good and you can like still have fun. Like at Tucson, like I couldn't go to bars without 
them stealing my fake ID. You know, they were, it was such a college town that they were just ready to pounce on you. Whereas in New York, I, like, not that you can necessarily go to bars, but there's just a, I think you can have a lot more fun. If your parents can afford to send you to New York City, I, I would definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- when did uh, comedy kind of start coming into uh, your life? Was it were you starting to get interested in, in college? Did you kind of always known that you wanted to do stand up? Like, how did that come about? It was kind of an always thing. I always really loved jokes. Like, starting mm-hmm. from the age of like five. So were you like the class clown? Um, yeah, one of them. I mean, I went to Jewish private school, so there's all sorts of little Jewish, <laughs> funny Jewish kids, you know. But I was on the funnier end of the scale. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I loved joke books. Who who were your guys when you were like five? <laughs> or like I liked or Gallagher. Of course, you liked Gallagher. <laughs> I liked awesome. Gallagher, and yeah. I really liked uh, David Letterman's top ten list books. I oh, had a cool. bunch of them, and I used to just read those, and I wouldn't understand half. It'd be like Cold War jokes that I didn't really get. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'd have to skip a lot, or I'd be like, <laughs> I only understand eight, three, and four, but they're funny, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was young, and I liked those up until I was like ten as well. So. Yeah. So were you doing acting? You said liberal arts. You, were you doing acting, some theater stuff in, in New York? Or what were some of the – were you taking any, like, any uh, performance classes uh, there? I did most of my acting in high school, and mm-hmm. I, I did plays and musicals in grade school as well. So. Oh, really? Yeah, grade school and high school I was doing plays and musicals What were – do you remember some of the, like, the productions that, that you were a part of? Oh, yeah. Um, in – Grade school, I remember I was in like Fiddler on the Roof. Nice. I think we did Macbeth, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then in high school, I was in Hello Dolly. Mm-hmm. We were in a uh, we had an, we did another play called Our Country's Good. I missed one of my entrances because I was flirting with a slutty girl named Maddie. <laughs> um, what, do you remember what you were flirting with her about? No, she was just such a little flirty little girl. Every every she, theater class has like that one slutty girl. She banged all my friends, but not me. I never really made the move, but no um, handies or anything. No, no, not from Maddie, from a different girl. But uh, but yeah, and I actually got an agent doing that high school play. Really? Not the night I missed my entrance. Like a, a commercial agent or no? I got a theatrical agent. agent. Really? Yeah, when I was in high school. So were you auditioning? Uh, well, you mentioned that Benji, born and raised in L.A., were you? Uh, were you starting to audition for stuff as like a teenager for TV stuff? When I was seventeen, yeah, I, I went on some auditions and I booked my like fourth or th- like I booked one really early, mm-hmm. and then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to college. I don't want to be an actor. I, I know I want to be a comedian one day, and I think I'm pretty sure I'm really stupid, <laughs> and I'm too dumb to be a comedian. And <laughs> I was a little jaded. I didn't really appreciate that I had like representation and book something. I didn't know what it meant. Like, right? Yeah. Most well, young yeah. people who book something, it's like they have these parents grooming them, telling them what everything means, and getting them acting coaches and that. Like, I didn't really understand what it meant. So I was not that there's anything wrong with doing what I did, but yeah, I think if someone like sat me down and was like, "This is kind of a big deal. You booked your third audition and you have representation. You might want to stay in L.A. and yeah. not go to Tucson, Arizona, <laughs> where you, you don't belong, and you're about to hate the next three years of your life." You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did uh, stand up come about? Did you were you starting to hit open mics in New York, or did you start back here in L.A.? Um, I actually originally. I always loved comedy and I always loved music. And the first thing I went for was music. And I used to do some like singer songwriter stuff in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And then there was one night, I know this is the hipster card to pull, but I knew about Modest Mouse before everybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
And so I went to a modest mouth and I remember begging everyone. I was like, someone, I had like no friends. It was like the worst school. I didn't have anything in common with anybody there. And I was begging people to go see Modest Mouse with me. And nobody would. Nobody knew who they were. So I went by myself. And it was Modest Mouse. And it's just this, like, no-name band at the time. And I'm just... And the guy blew me away. He's, like, an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. And then after I saw him, I was like, I don't think I'm good enough to be a musician. And so... Really? And so then that was, that was part of what made me wanted to be a comedian a little more, that seeing how talented Modest Mouse wow. was. <laughs> Modest Mouse had a huge effect on your comedy career. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of crazy. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I couldn't do that. <laughs> so, okay, so you're like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not good enough to, I'm not, I can't be as good as Modest Mouse ever as a musician. So how did that transition into uh, doing stand-up and like doing the different mic circuit and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, what was like your first time doing it? Um. Mm. Well, I did a handful of open mics in New York while I was still in college, maybe like four, three, mm-hmm. you know, over the two-year period. Sure. So I wasn't really dedicated yet. I didn't really understand what it meant to be dedicated yeah, to, to like something like that. Yeah, fully commit to it, yeah. No one was like, to be a comic, you got to go up every night and try hard and book and network and do that. Like, no one to- told me that. I was just all on my own, you know, as a young yeah. kid. And so... uh yeah, but I I, start, I would get really positive responses from the audience, mm-hmm. especially compared to like singer songwriter coffee sh- shop yeah. stuff I was doing, and so yeah, um, I remember one time I did a show in New York called Collective Unconscious. I don't know if they still do that there. It was a long time ago, but it was super um, artsy and stuff. And people did like comedy, but people also did like almost like perform performance art comedy, like. Yeah. Saw people like do really crazy yelling comedy over like industrial <laughs> rock and just like really crazy stuff. So that was one of my first ones. I remember one of my early ones, there was this like military guy who like opened up talking about how he just came from Iraq and just killed people. And then, no joke, <laughs> right after that, he just started going into Bill Hicks material like verbatim. And I was like, I'd love to call this guy out, but he just talked about how he <laughs> wow. kills people. So what a beautiful play. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> that's not your material, sir. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, but um, my biggest kick in the ass to that made me literally say I'm going to go to LA and be a comedian was I was back in LA visiting, and uh, I feel like I tell the story a lot. And um, I, I had a, f- a friend whose sister was doing bringer shows. Do I should I explain what a bringer show is? Uh, yeah, yeah, might as well. Basically, a comedy bringer show is is where you can perform at a big club like the Improv or the Comedy Store or the Laugh Factory as long as you bring people. So these promoters find these new people or just desperate people who say, I can bring 10 people, and then they get 10 of these comics, then you have a room full of 100 people. Mm-hmm. And so I go visit – I go see a friend's sister who's doing a bringer show. She's a bringer, and I'm one of her uh, audience members at the Improv. And I'm like, I know the Improv's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, in the audience, in a packed show, is Adam Sandler watching the show of awful bringer comedy. Oh, man. And he was there because it was at the time of uh, Funny People. So he was, like, scouting young new people to put in his movie. I think that's kind of how he found Aubrey Plaza. And, uh, and I'm watching this, and I've already done a few open mics, and I'm just like, I can run circles around these people, and I don't even know what I'm doing. These people are awful. Like, yeah. this is really bad. So... I went back to New York being like, yeah, I'm going to go to Hollywood and impress whatever celebrity is going to be in the audience that night uh. <laughs> be the best comedian on the show <laughs> every time, and I'm sure I'll be famous in a month. Right. That's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, but sure enough, Adam Sandler has never seen me perform, and and that's not what it's like. It's So, yeah, that's it. 
<laughs> when did uh, you start working uh, at the comedy store? How long had you been doing comedy before you got hired there? Or how was the process getting hired there? Because sometimes I hear it's, some, some people it's really, really difficult to get hired there. Um, it wasn't difficult for me. I had been doing comedy for around two years, and I myself was doing bringer shows. I was very ignorant. You know, A lot of comedians look down on people who do bringer shows. I just didn't know. I didn't understand that Like, you go to a comedy club, you try to meet people, or... Back then it was MySpace. You should MySpace message promoters. And yeah. try to, like, I just didn't understand that. I just knew a couple promoters who booked shows, and I just thought that's how it worked. I really didn't understand anything. Yeah. And uh, I was doing a bringer show one night, and I'm about two years into comedy, and Bobby Lee was watching me up in the belly room doing a Vargas Mason bringer show. And I was with a friend of mine who knew him from uh, AA stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, and we ended up talking, and he helped me, and he helped me get a job. Wow, that's awesome! Mm-hmm. Dang. So, uh, what was your what was your path really uh, at the comedy store? Whenever you started working there, so you've been doing comedy for two years. You get a job at the comedy store. Uh, how long working there and doing comedy before you became a paid regular there? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and what was and you just basically for the people who don't like go to the comedy store and stuff like that, you basically just kind of you're kind of in showcase mode a lot of times, right? Well, how would you how would you explain like the process of getting past at the comedy comedy store, like becoming basically paid to perform there for somebody who doesn't know about it? Um, <clears throat> from when you're an employee or just in general? I guess from when you're an employee. I guess I haven't heard that point of view of like what. It's like to be an employee and, and try to climb the ranks. Um, just do well. Mm-hmm. Just try to do well on stage every time. I mean, that's what I did. I only have my experience. Yeah. So I, I just tried to do as best as I could every time I was on stage. I took it pretty seriously. I, I tried to. I did my best to crush. Not that I was a, a monster or anything, but um, I just did my best on stage all the time. I was always on time to every shift. I was never late. I worked hard. Yeah. Um, I worked a lot of shifts there. I worked like six days a week there. Oh, wow. Um, but mostly it's about what you do on stage there. You know, mm-hmm. people often love to ask you how you get this, how you get that. And generally it's like be nice to people and do well on stage I, I don't, and, and study comedy. I think studying comedy is really important, right. especially if you want to get past at the store. Like <clears throat> if you're not watching the comics who are past there, you're not really going to get it. Like that club is in a, it's a it's a lot like a comedy club, every other comedy club in certain ways, but it's very different in certain ways. And so if you study the comics there, you might develop a sense of what it means to be a paid regular there. And I would say study study live comedy, study recorded comedy. Yeah. And uh and study your own comedy and and, and be funny and don't be a delusional idiot. Right. <laughs> Now, uh, you have written on some different TV shows and different stuff like that. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, what was the process of... Uh, you, you were a, uh, a staff writer on The Burn for a couple of seasons, right? Yeah. Uh, how did that process uh, of being a writer and getting hired as a staff writer, how did that come about? Um, I, uh, I didn't have any representation, but I had submitted for shows. Like, I'd hear about a show like, oh, Chelsea Lately is hiring, you know? Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. I had submitted for a few shows already, which I think is important because it kind of gets your muscle working to mm-hmm. do that. And 
I'll look at like the first packet I ever wrote and it's garbage and then the second one's a little better and the third one's better and the, you know so sure. it's important to get that muscle going. Um basically our friend Tony Hinchcliffe had been working with Jeff Ross already on uh, Jeff Ross's Jeff Ross America tour. Yeah. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. And Jeff was hiring for the burn and Tony told me to put a back packet together and what what it was comprised of and uh I did that and then I got a meeting and I got the job. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, how had you was that your first uh, TV credit as a writer, or how like what 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 was your uh, what was the first thing you started working on on TV for? Well, I would do like ghostwriting for people on Chelsea lately. Ah, the people who do the panels. Yeah. Ah, Okay. Okay. Which was really good practice because with shows like that, they email you your topics at like one p.m. and then you have to be on set by four. You know. Whoa. So the people I would help. I'd show up at their house all nervous at like one and then we get these topics and it's like you only have a little bit to come up with That's whatever it is. crazy. So there's some pressure. And that was also something that helped me is the urgency of it. Which Yeah, you have three hours, right? Yeah. So the packets leading up to the one that got me the job, writing those helped me. But I also think helping people prepare for Chelsea also really helped me because there's a sense of urgency where you're staring someone in the face who's going to record to be on nationally broadcast television at the time – I think it was the number one show on cable. Yeah. So there's a certain amount of pressure, which and pressure nothing helps you write more than pressure. At least me. Yeah, that's good. I've I've always uh, like uh, like the writers' room of Saturday Night Live. Like I I feel like that'd be such a cool <laughs> environment to be in because each you know you have a week, well less than a week to prepare for a show that's going to be nationally broadcasted, and you only have a little bit to to write the sketches and rewrite and everything. Would you ever want to do? Uh, be a, a part of a show like that where it's the stakes are even h- as high or higher than like a Chelsea Lately type show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I want. I love a job like SNL or anything like that. I mostly I just want to learn more. You know, I've done a lot of straight up joke writing. Yeah, and I feel like my script writing is good and it's fine, but like I know there's no way I'm going to be able to be as good as someone who's worked on a staff or in a room and really gets the insides and outs. So any writing job where I'm going to learn stuff that I've never done before, I will be so into that. I'd write on a crappy sitcom just to like learn that. I mean, obviously I'd rather work on like a cool show like Silicon Valley or SNL or yeah. whatever it might be, but like any any writing gig where I'm going to learn something and be in a work environment that I haven't been in before, I'm going to be really happy to do. Nice. And is it the same kind of thing with uh, the the Howard Stern thing where you had where you were just kind of ghostwriting almost where you're like submitting jokes? How how does the the Howard Stern thing work? Would they get they send you they just take any jokes topical or what do they ask you for? Um, They would just ask you for like 10 jokes a day, three days a week or four days a week, three Uh or four days a week. And that had a little bit of a sense of pressure because. You You're like my ten better be good. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like if you yeah. could write fifty jokes on five topics, you know, ten jokes a topic. It's like they can think three of them are good, and they'll think you're a genius. But you write ten jokes, and they don't like any of them. They're like, why the, the hell are we paying this guy? You know? Right. So that would make me nervous. Also, the thing with submitting for Stern is you. N- I never even spoke to anyone on the phone. No one's all, ever been like, emails? we like these kind of jokes or this, that. It was all email. Oh, so like so hard to get a read on, yeah, and I on wasn't tone even, and everything. Yeah, I wasn't even a big Howard Stern fan. So yeah. like I mean I respect him and I like him, but like I didn't I wasn't like a huge fan. So 
there was that element too where you're just like i don't i don't know <laughs> but they liked my stuff and i i did well while i did it so that's that nice yeah. uh justin you want to do your segment now all right welcome to the hollywood bitch slap did you think were you able to think of a story we're gonna come up with an intro to it yeah Do-do-do-do. um i can think of a lot of hollywood bitch slap stories i mean i barked for shows i've i've gone through the ringer i think i think i'll go with this one um i'm working the because I was a bitch. I was working the door at the time. Mm-hmm. At the comedy store. At the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And Pauly Shore's on stage and he owns the comedy club, or his mom does, or his family does. Yeah. And uh, and Eddie Murphy was in the audience watching him for a moment. And then went, it was a Tuesday night where there's a big black show right. in the main room where it's predominantly black audience members and black performers. Mm-hmm. So then Eddie goes back to the black show. I mean, that's what it is. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. It's okay. We're not judging. I, I'm not as racist as the show. <laughs> so it's like, whatever. Right. It um, is called, like, it was called Trippin' on Tuesdays yeah, or something. Yeah, on Tuesdays. So, I mean, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's an urban show. It's racist. Yeah. It's inherently <laughs> racist. And, uh, and so uh, Polly's on stage, and then he's, he, it's, he's already, like, into his act, and then he's like, hey, Eddie Murphy, Eddie, are you here? And then... And then I have no choice but to be like, no, he went back to the main room. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, go get him. Oh, no. Jesus. And then so I look at like another door guy and he's like, you're the OR front guy. You got to That's your job. <sighs> so I'm like, OK, fine. I'm like not even I'm like at the comedy store a few months at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't a hanger out at the comedy store. I didn't know any rules. <laughs> right. Nobody really knew me that well. Like I didn't know anybody yeah. at first. And I'm like, okay, so now I have the really fun pleasure of trying to find Eddie Murphy in a room of 500 black people. <laughs> so that's the first part of this. <laughs> so I find Eddie Murphy, and uh, I go, hey, Mr. Murphy, uh, Polly, <laughs> Polly wants to see you. He's on stage in the original room, and he goes, I already saw him. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I know you saw him, but I, he's like on stage. I think he wants to like talk to you and do like a thing with you or something. And then there's no way to say this audio, but he does the hand thing where he's the go like, away hand thing. Yeah. How do you verbalize this? Uh, shoe. Shoe. Yeah, he shush, he shoes me he with his shoes, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wearing like a fucking bedazzled hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like really Eddie Murphy'd out. Yeah. And then I go back to the original room where Polly's performing in front of a full audience. There's like a hundred people in the original room for some reason. And uh, I'm like, hey, he wouldn't come. Oh. And Polly's like, what do you mean he wouldn't come? I'm like, I, I, I told him you wanted to see him and, and he wouldn't come. And he goes, that's because you're a pussy. <laughs> in front of a full audience. Yeah. Did they laugh? No, it was awkward. Oh, like, because I, I, I think Polly felt like it made angry. him look bad. He yeah. was like summoning me to go get Eddie, and right. Eddie was like, "I ain't coming." And then I had to be like, "Polly, Eddie ain't coming, bro." <laughs> what do you mean, Eddie won't see the weasel? <laughs> Dude, that's a great story. That's pretty good. That's, yeah, it was good. I'm glad to pick that. That's one. one of the best ones I've heard in a while. Uh, so I was bitched by Eddie Murphy, bitched by Polly Shore. <laughs> you have no friends. <laughs> no and then, friends. And then, no, yeah, nobody knew you at, you at the store no yet. No one so could they take were you on like, their shoulder and be like, it's okay. Yeah, so yeah. all the other workers are like, maybe the new guy is a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my head, I was like, I mean, I'm not a pussy. I did exactly what you told me to do. I just went up to Eddie Murphy and bothered him in the middle of a show. <laughs> now I'm yelling at you in the middle of this show. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Murphy. <laughs> 
Uh, Benji, uh, do you have anything that uh, you want to plug, like your Twitter or website, anything where people can look you up or find you? Um, I'm on Twitter, at Benji Aflalo. Good luck uh, figuring out how to spell my name. <laughs> Spelled um, like uh, labeled in this podcast. We'll have a uh, link to his Twitter below. Um, let's see, anything else coming up? I'm going to be writing on the uh, Guy's Choice Awards, so I guess... I'll oh, congrats, that. dude. No, thanks, man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Great. Yeah, that's in a couple weeks. Sweet. Not the show, but the writing. Day. So check out, I mean, check out the show once it comes out, Guy's Choice Awards? Yeah, I think it aired what, on what the Spike. 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 Sweet. Last, they get really big names. Last year, they got like Jennifer Aniston and Bradley Cooper and Mark Wahlberg. Heck so. yeah. So they get pretty big names to, to come, and they do troop stuff if you're into supporting troops. Nice. All right, dude. Uh, well, Benji, uh, thanks so much for coming by, doing the show. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks, uh, yeah we love you and uh, love uh, you continued too. success, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, Thank we'll, you. We'll see you uh, soon at the Comedy Storm, sure. All right, awesome.